For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We get it going with Otis Livingston, the sports anchor of Channel 2 WCBS in New York. I uh, I don't remember, Otis, the last time that New York sports had so many positives going all at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of a neat thing, really. Yeah, I got a lot of people walking around the street. Is this real? Pinch me, you know. But yeah, there's a lot that's that's good right now. There's a lot that's interesting, you know, especially with the uh, uh, the two football teams that are in in playoff contention. The Giants coming off a big win. The Jets coming off a big loss. So you know, the next three weeks are going to tell a lot about their postseason hopes. Um, and then on the back burner, you got the uh, Knicks and, and uh, Nets that are playing really well and and climbing the charts in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, standing so that's a good thing too hockey as well so uh a lot of stuff too as far as the baseball signings in offseason verlander you know he was introduced today with the mets you know judge did his thing and 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 uh re-signed with the with the yankees for mega millions so uh there's a lot to be happy about a lot to be proud about if you're a new york sports fan i mean think about it the mets owner steve Cohn, uh, he must think he has a pocket full of monopoly money <laughs> I, I think mean. he does. <laughs> it's a game. Oh, that's good. You know, because for so long, you know, the fan base was talking about how they were hamstrung, you know, with the Wilpons as owners, you know, the Bernie Madoff uh, situation uh, handcuffed that that organization at that time. So it's like, you know, hallelujah, you know, the gate, the floodgates have been open. Uh, obviously, he's got to be fiscally responsible. But so far, he's, you know, he's he's putting his toe in the water. He's, he's stepping in there and, and making a big splash let's go back to the uh, the football side of things in new york beginning with the giants i saw a play the other day uh in the giant game by Kayvon thibodeau that that's the grand slam he sacks the quarterback knocks the ball out of his hands recovers the fumble and scores a touchdown i mean i guess this is what they expected when they drafted this kid as high as they did yeah, he certainly does have big play capability like that, um, and he has a, a personality to go along with it. You know, he reminds a lot of people or they hope that he could somewhat come close to LT and the production that he had, which is going to be, you know, really difficult to do. But if he's even in the ballpark and can make these kind of plays semi-regularly have that kind of impact 
you know, that is definitely what they, you know, picked them so high for and what they'd expect to, you know, because let's face it, the Giants are known for smash mouth football. You know, uh, they're known for great defenses. It hasn't been that way in recent years. And if he and some of these other guys on the defensive side of the football can harken back to that type of uh, play and production from previous years and previous regimes, then that's going to be a good thing. Well, the win over Washington, you know, puts them now, they're in the playoffs if it were to start today. That famous, everybody says it all the time. If the playoffs started today, <laughs> well, they don't. Yeah, they don't. We got three yeah. more games. Well, you know, and it's not its not just three games. I mean, they got to play at Minnesota, which is not going to be easy. Nope. They got to host Indianapolis, which probably would be the easiest of the final three games. And then they got to go to Philadelphia on uh, the last week of the season, now, Philadelphia lost Jalen Hurts. He probably won't play on Sunday against Dallas, which is a big deal because the Cowboys are chasing the Eagles. Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, the, the Eagles only have to win one of those games, though, um, to uh, to to kind of get in for themselves. You know, obviously, if the if the Cowboys lose a couple, then it's it's over. But. You know, they have to uh, take care of their own business, uh, give him a little bit of rest. You know, MVP candidate got hurt. Um, don't try to force it. You got Gardner Minshew. He can probably get you at least one of those games um, coming down the stretch. Um, so that's yeah, you're right. That's a huge game. But as far as the Giants go again, you've put yourself in a position to play meaningful football in December. You're in the playoff hunt you're in a playoff position with three games left. You got to go out there and you got to get it done. You have to, you know, and then sometimes you can back into the playoffs. You don't want to do that, but yeah, you can scoreboard to watch a little bit and realize, okay, we may not win this game, but we got to win it, you know, or whatever the scenario is. Um, I thought they showed a lot going down there and, and beating the commanders um, mm. on the road uh, marquee matchup on Sunday night. I thought that said a lot. I, I think Daniel Jones has has really turned that corner from that guy who used to be a turnover machine at, at the most inopportune time. I think that he's uh, proven that he could be that guy. He could be the the franchise quarterback that they're looking for. Um, he makes enough plays. He can do it with his legs as well. He seems to have the confidence of the organization. So he's he's taken some major steps this year, and he needed to make those uh, kind of steps. He's Otis Livingston, the anchor of sports on Channel 2 in New York. You mentioned Daniel Jones. The Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So now he can go one of two ways. He can either fold his tent and give up, or he can fight for what he thinks he deserves. From the Giants fans' perspective, has he earned their confidence? I think he has. Once again, I think it, it, it all boiled down to the turnovers that he was committing early in his career. I mean, he has big pass capability. Um, if you saw that other night against Washington in that in that huge game, you know, uh, playoff-wise, uh, division standing-wise, um, they had tied earlier, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago, rather, that they tied against the commander. So he is not turning the ball over. That was the big bugaboo for him early on. It was like, man, is this guy ever going to not just just force passes, tip balls, fumble the ball? Remember, he was a fumble machine. Mm. And I think that now when you look at a lot of the other quarterbacks around the league, he plays you know, as steady as some of them can. So 
what are you going to do? Are you going to go draft somebody else and take a few years to develop him? Or you you got a guy in-house right now that I feel like he has um, earned their respect, earned their trust. And I think he's the guy that they should, you know, have going forward. Let's go to the other side of MetLife Stadium where the Jets uh, reside. Uh, they lose a tough one to the Giants. They've now lost three in a row. So here's a team that uh, look like they're in really good shape for the playoffs now. They've got to just about win out and may, may need some help, too. A couple of takeaways from Sunday's loss to Detroit. Number one, Detroit has proven that they are for real, the way they've played over the last seven weeks. So now they lose to Detroit because of a couple of things. They take the lead and then give up a touchdown to a tight end wide open. Here's a Jets team that has a good defense yeah. that let that happen. That's yeah. just inexcusable. Well, and, and it's not indicative of the way they have played all season long. You know, um, they I, I was in the in the locker room after the game, as I am after every game. And um, I spoke to a lot of the players and they were more impressed with the defense, uh, the offensive coordinator call. They said that that was a great call against them because everyone expected on fourth and a half a yard, the run game. They weren't accounting for the pass. Um, and we still don't know exactly who was in the wrong as far as the coverage that left the tight end wide open. But um, that th th they were so disheartened in that locker room afterwards because as a defense, you gave us the lead. We pride ourselves on making plays, getting stops, being the, the strength of this team. And we have an opportunity to get them out on fourth down and – basically win the game and move us into better playoff position. And we let the team down. There was a, a conversation. I, uh, we were in the locker room and I spoke to someone and we were like, I wonder if we should ask Zach Wilson. Now you think the defense lets you down because the last, oh, oh, <laughs> cause the nice. last time it was, do you nice. feel like you let the defense <laughs> down? But uh, you know, didn't want to go there. Didn't want to go there, but you know, it was interesting. It was, it was not, like I said, it wasn't indicative of how well this defense plays, man. It was that was a shock to see that happen. And I was on the on the sideline, and I'm filming with my uh, camera phone, and I'm just like following this thing going down the side. He's not getting stopped. He's in the end. It was really I. And I turned and looked at the crowd, and everyone was like, because you didn't expect that. You expected the defense to come up with a great play, a great stop, seal the deal, and everybody goes on to their, to their post-game tailgates. But it didn't happen. Well, a couple of things. Robert Sala, clock management. Oh, uh, yes. He's been criticized for his clock management down the stretch. Did he defend that at all? Yeah, he did. He says that they have a plan, you know, under two minutes, a uh, minute and a half. As far as when you have a certain amount of timeouts, you want to keep them until a minute, you know, and start using them and things like that. So we figured that he lost 17 seconds on one play, 15 on another play. You know, you, you start adding that up and you realize that's another play. That's closer range for a field goal. That may be a touchdown. You know what I mean? Extending the drive enough that you can now take a shot at the end zone before you go for the tie or something like that. So yeah, he admitted that he was wrong. He'd love to have that back just like the players. I'm saying this just like the players would love to have some of their play out on the field back, you know, the, the extra yards that they didn't pick up or the extra yards that they let up, you know? So it's, it's a learning uh, situation. It's unfortunate that it's in a, such a key spot, you know, when you talk about playoff implications that 
those sort of things that you're learning on the job or on the job training that those come into effect. So he did defend it as far as their plan overall, because you know how it is. Coaches, uh, they have uh, a, a, a plan for every situation. This is when we're going to call a timeout. And sometimes, man, you just got to step off script. You got to do what's right at that moment, you know, and those are things that I think he and his coaching staff have to learn or hopefully are learning just like the players. Uh, Zach Wilson, number one, give me the Otis Livingston grade for his performance last Sunday first. It, it's it's really hard. I mean, I guess you have to say a C, right? Like right in the middle, because he did make some plays. He threw for 317 yards. He had two touchdowns, but he had uh, a, a, a just boneheaded interception. You know, um, he was overthrowing and underthrowing guys, uh, you know, a swing pass out of the backfield, hitting a guy in the foot. You know, there's guys that are coming free over the middle, throwing it high. But I, where I will give him credit is his resiliency, is the fact that this guy got benched. Franchise quarterback, number two, that's a humbling experience. And then to watch how not only the fans, but some of the players reacted to Mike White. Yeah. And the T-shirts they wear, the support that they showed, and he's a dog and all this kind of stuff. You had to watch that, and now you're thrown back in there. And, again, playoff uh, heavy type atmosphere at MetLife Stadium. So I feel like he had a lot of resiliency in the game. There were some setbacks, obviously, but in the end, he had them in the lead with an opportunity to close mm. out that game if the defense had got to stop on fourth down. So, like I said, it has to be somewhere in the middle because there were some good and some bad, so, some stuff, I'm not going to lie, that I sat there. I was like, oh, my goodness, this thing is not getting any better. You know, uh, the throws that he was making that were just horrendous, you know, but. He did have some plays where he showed that arm talent that made him the number two overall pick. Well, they don't have a lot of time to wallow in their sorrow. Uh, they got to go play the number one pick in the draft, Trevor Lawrence, yep. followed by Zach Wilson. That's Thursday, even though it's at home. Yeah. The way that the Jaguars are playing, uh, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not, but that's a that's a tough game for the Jets. It certainly is. And you talk about Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, with all the accolades that he has, he's starting to come around and really play good football. And they're coming off a great win against the Dallas Cowboys yep. uh, overtime victory where, you know, they played great, you know, and, and made the big plays when they had to. Trevor Lawrence made some big throws, get him in, in field goal range late to, to force overtime. And of course, defensively, you know, with the, uh, the interception for the touchdown that, you know, they're going to come in here because they still believe that they are in the playoff hunt. So yeah, young team like that with a quarterback with that kind of talent. I hope that Zach isn't uh, making this a mano y mano thing, you know, trying to outshine him. Jack, Zach just needs to make the plays, make the smart plays, flip it out to your running back. Let your playmakers make plays and give your defense another opportunity because their defense is going to be, their hair is going to be on fire, man. They're, they want an opportunity to uh, prove that they are one of the best defenses and that what happened on Sunday against the Lions is not indicative of their play normally. Let me ask you this. Robert Sala was noncommittal yesterday about who's going to start a quarterback. Assuming that Mike White is healthy and gets the clearance from the doctors, who would you play a quarterback on Thursday? 
Well, he it's been announced that uh, Zach is going to start. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he is. I thought I think that would have been a tough decision, man. That and that's why he gets paid and not me <laughs> because if Mike White is healthy, what we've seen is he gives you the best chance to win. And at this point in time, three games left, we got to win. So uh, forget the feelings, forget the the draft uh, position that you know what I mean. Like you're number two overall. Forget if you're the future franchise quarterback, and we'll deal with that in the off season. Right now, we got to get some W's. So I feel like. Uh, if he's healthy enough and like and he can't be injured any further, I mean, you have to be you have to be really careful with that kind of injury. So yeah. hopefully they did their due diligence and maybe now. There's so many scenarios for this Thursday night game. If Zach plays well and they lose or if he doesn't play well and they win. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. We'll talk about that next week. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, this thing is not it's not put to bed for the rest of the season, that quarterback mm. situation. All right, let's go to the from, from the round from the oblique spheroid to the round ball. <laughs> okay, I uh, uh, got you on that one. Yeah, uh, you got the Knicks and the Nets both playing great. Both have extended winning streaks. The Nets have won six in a row. The Knicks have won seven in a row. Uh, the Knicks get a break. They play Golden State tonight without Steph Curry. So that yeah. that gives them that gives them a puncher's chance to win the game and keep it going. All right, the Knicks right now are in the sixth spot in the East. Are we ready to believe that they can get to a top six position or is it way too premature to even think about it? Well, I mean, they are, you know, like Parcel says, you are what your record says you are. You know, they've beaten some some pretty good teams. Um, I believe they beat Indiana just recently, which yep. is one, one of the good teams as well. Um, so you have some history now you know you're starting to stack up some wins you're not just beating up on tomato cans um and, and at this point in time uh the knicks are not a, a good enough team that they can look at teams as tomato cans because they can be beaten on any given night so i think that we're starting to again build that kind of a history not only for the fans but for the players themselves that they can have the confidence that they can beat those teams and tonight you know when when they play if they have Steph Curry on the sideline, then yeah, it, it in the record book is gonna is not gonna indicate that Steph wasn't there. It's gonna be a win yeah. against the Golden State Warriors, yeah. which still has a lot of talent. So it's 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 uh I think they're building towards that. You know, when you have a team like the Nets in that kind of situation and they struggle coming out of the blocks with all the controversy that and drama that was going on, that's more of a a a, a team that you can look at and say, okay. Yeah, you know, they have the talent. They've been there before. They've had success in the playoffs. Not enough for a lot of the fans, you know, and, and the roster that they've had over the last few years. But you could see where they're trending upwards. And it's kind of like you can believe in that. The Knicks are starting to build that. You know, it's interesting. Of the top 11 or 12 teams in the East, the Knicks are the only team without a winning record at home. And, and considering the history of the franchise, at Madison Square Garden, that's surprising. So now they got the Warriors tonight at home. They got to play Toronto, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Dallas. Schedule can be a little tough, but you know this as well as I do that if you don't develop a home court advantage, that's going to get you at some point. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, uh, the road the road is tough enough, you know. So you can't 
continue to think that you're going to get it done there. So you have to build some kind of atmosphere, some kind of winning attitude, fan-wise, player-wise at home. And that that is surprising. But this next stretch that you just chronicled there is going to tell a lot. You know what I mean? That that mm. goes into what we're talking about as far as building that history. And can we, and are they for real? Can we start thinking about them as a legitimate playoff team? Um, this is going to tell a lot because there's some good teams on that, on that ledger that they're going to have to knock off or at least compete with, you know, you can't get blown out. You have to be in these games with an opportunity to win coming down the stretch in order to start, you know, continue to build that history. Meanwhile, the Nets, They've won six in a row. The best thing that you can say about the Nets right now is they're healthy. And that's a big deal because when you looked at the preseason forecast, the Nets were highly regarded, provided they're going to be healthy. Well, now they are. Yeah. And they're getting a lot of help from the bench. Yeah, and that was the key. You know, just like you said, uh, if they're healthy, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, you know. And Joe Harris is starting to get – his shot back a little bit better. Remember when he first came back, man, he was a hot mess. He couldn't make an open shot. You know, it reminded me of the playoffs two years ago when he could not make an open shot. But he's starting to come around. You know, you got Seth Curry. Uh, uh, you got some of those Sumner uh, guys that are off the bench. You know, I really, um, and this is off topic, but I really uh, think they miss a guy like Bruce Brown a lot, who is contributing hmm. to the team that he's playing with now. I mean, this guy was, I, I don't think it would have taken a whole lot of money to keep him, but that's one of those glue guys that they need. So they need guys off the bench that are going to be, you know, uh, able to contribute. You know, you got Kyrie, you got KD, those guys are in a groove right now. They are really putting the ball in the basket and uh, creating a lot of excitement and, and leadership. Um, you can look to them to know that you can get a basket from one of those guys on any given possession. Um, so if they continue to get contribution off the bench like they are and it's trending upwards, you know, that seems to be the the nice catchphrase these days, trending upwards, you know, and that's what they're certainly doing right now. It seems like they've got the drama behind them. You know, uh, we're hoping that Kyrie doesn't have one of his things where he's got to get into the headlines or, you know, something like that. And he just continues to play basketball because when you look at his skill, and his ability and his talent and his uh, confidence level, which is off the charts. He's one of the best. He's one of the best to ever do it. He really is. Um, and, and his uh, fundamentals, you know, the, just his game. And, and Kevin Durant is just unbelievable. He's ridiculous. Yeah. Seven-footer that can do everything that he can do. So you got two guys out front that can get you a bucket at any time when you need it. Um, so defensive. Uh, presence and bench production is going to be huge for them. Well, they're getting production out of O'Neal. They're getting production out of Warren. They're getting production from the bench. My question is about either the Knicks or the Nets. Do they make a major move mm. for the trade deadline? And for what? That's an interesting question. I, I feel like uh, both teams are positioned well enough right now with what they have. And we're seeing it night in and night out now, not just because of these long streaks, but be just because of the way they're playing. The Again, the confidence, the, the camaraderie, the, 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 the production that they're getting in the starting lineup and off the bench. Um, I think because Evan Fournier is still there. I think he's one of those guys that could possibly be moved. I, 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 he's out of the rotation. 
uh, uh, Cam Reddish, who has a lot of talent, but for some reason just can't find a spot with the Knicks. I thought when they got him that he would be adequately used and he would be a part of that rotation. But it's, for some reason, he just cannot find yeah. his way in that rotation or or kind of in Tom's uh favor it seems like is that's that's a real head scratcher for me but you know they may make a move with with one or two or both of those you know or both of those guys and i'm not exactly sure what they're going to be looking for maybe it's some more outside shooting you know because that's what you lose with with quote-unquote Fournier you know he was supposed to be that guy that you know a couple years ago when he and Kimball Walker came over he was supposed to be an outside presence outside threat we have not seen that on a consistent basis so I think both teams are are pretty good right now look for that type of move uh, involving those players with the Knicks though I'm not going to leave out my Rangers I've been rooting for the Rangers since I'm in high school Uh, I remember a bunch of us the old garden we would get on the subway and ride from Brooklyn into Manhattan and see the Rangers and sit way up in the nosebleed section. <laughs> but but here they are. They've won, they've won six in a row, and they are really putting on a performance. Yeah, and uh, there's nothing like Ranger hockey, you know, in this city to get people excited. Um, you're going to have the Devils doing their thing. The Islanders play, you know, Islander hockey, but it's nothing like the, the Rangers. If they can continue to, ro- you know, uh, rise in the standings, that's going to get this town on fire. Um so, you know, it's 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 always a good thing when the Rangers are playing well and successful. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to the original conversation at the top, the baseball in New York. Yep. Uh, Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, has spent over $400 million. Uh, he has now become the modern-day George Steinbrenner, uh, which, you know, I, I, I really think that Steinbrenner wasn't given enough credit because, let's face it, the Yankees were terrible when he bought that franchise. For what, $20 million? How'd yeah. that thing pay off? Pretty good, oh, huh? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Woo, that's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think that he he definitely left his mark in that way. He wanted someone. He was going to go out and he was going to get it at whatever cost it was going to be because he wanted to put a winner out there. He knew that the Yankee brand, if it was revitalized and re-energized and brought back to life after – what you were talking about, um, that if he could do that and make them relevant again, that it would be a cash cow. And for him, you know, just being being the owner of that, it, it gave him a lot of status as well. You know, you could George, you know, he had his kingdom and he was, uh, you know, he was out there on his throne, you know, <laughs> making sure people knew that he was in charge. So it was a, it was a great time. You know, it was a great time to cover these guys when they won, you know, four four titles in five years. Uh, it, 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 that was a great time. And, you know, how a little more fiscally responsible as far as the organization goes. They had to get judge back. They had to do that. Yep. You know, they had, whatever it took, you know, to get him back homegrown kid MVP uh, never did anything to, to embarrass the organization is a great right. representation of the organization and a great role model for kids and, and adults alike. So they had to get that done. Um, but yeah, you know, George, you know, maybe maybe a little bit uh, rubbed off on, on how when it came down to it, because I think Brian Cashman is giving how a lot of credit for coming in there like the Mariano Rivera and closing that deal and making it happen. Oh, they signed Carlos Rodon. And most people think that the top four in the rotation is as good as any four in the rotation around baseball, let alone the American League. 
Yeah. Uh, Mets have a have a nice rotation as well. But yeah, that that rotation is going to come down to what health again. It's yep. all, it always seems to be with the Yankees that there's a, a juncture in the season in the season where you're like, who are these guys that we're watching? And somebody gets called up or or somebody has to step in for someone else. And that's the key. And it's the key all over in sports, period, obviously. But sometimes some teams are hit with the or bitten by the injury bug a little bit harder than other teams. So uh, if that rotation can stay healthy on paper. Yeah, they're going to be one of the best, you know, now, John Carlos Stanton, can you stay healthy? DJ LeMayu, can you stay, you know, all these guys, can you stay healthy? And the big question now is we saw an all-time great season out of Aaron Judge. But before that, he had been hampered by injuries as well. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that he can uh, stay healthy, live up to the contract. No, he's not going to hit 62, 63 this year. But if he can, you know, assimilate the kind of season which he almost won the triple crown, just percentage points away from that. If he can assimilate that, then the money is well spent. Um, So it's going to come down to health again. And if these guys can um, play to the back of their baseball cards. Uh, The Mets lose Jacob deGrom. um, But they made other additions elsewhere. Look, DeGrom, also speaking of injuries, he had his issues yeah. um, missing a, a bunch of games. So yeah. uh, on paper right now, are the Mets better or as good or worse than they were at the end of last year? Oh, man, that's, uh, let's see. They got Nimmo back, um, Verlander, who's up there in years, you know, mm-hmm. but he's a Cy Young when he's coming right off of a Cy Young season. Uh, they have the pitcher from Japan who a lot of people are going to be wondering about, uh, Kenny. He he uh, made a comment yesterday, though, that it has already endeared him to Met fans. And they they asked him which player was he looking forward to pitching against. And he said the Philadelphia Phillies lineup. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so so he's already in the, in the rivalry, you know. So I, I believe that they've made some moves that uh, will – uh, enhance the team. And again, back to Jacob DeGrom. I mean, he was hampered by injuries last year. He was, yeah. he, he didn't start the season. You know, you, you're waiting for him to, to either break down uh, when he's, when he's at his best, he is the best. He is incredible, but you can't always count on that, you know? And once you start getting, it's just, it's just like Anthony Davis with the Lakers in basketball. When they're at their best, we saw a streak right now where where Anthony Davis was the best player in the league or right there, you know, showing that he's a top five player and a generational talent. But again, now he's on the shelf, you know, he's hurt, you know, and and it seems like he has he has that injury play career. So if you're putting big money and responsibility in players, you have to somewhat be able to uh, uh, count on them. And, and know that they're going to be there in the clutch moments, you know, and Jacob DeGrom was not that it seemed like to me that he didn't want to be here as well. So that's part of the equation, too. You know, if you can't make someone stay that doesn't want to stay. Now, you mentioned Anthony Davis. Look, I think the guy's a great talent. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But you can't tell me that the Lakers are sitting there wondering uh, game after game after game. When's that other shoe going to drop? You know, yeah. based on his history. Well, now here he's going to be out for an extended period. Uh, you mentioned the Japanese pitcher, and I don't remember his name um, that came to the Mets. Kodai Singa. Oh, yeah. How is he fluent in English? He read a a prepared statement. So oh, okay. I don't think that I don't think he's fluent, um, but I think 
they worked out something. Hello, I am glad to be with the New York. <laughs> you know, and so that was cool. Um, and I think it got a lot of people fired up. But I don't think he's fluent. I think that might be something that hopefully they work on, you know, because it makes our job a lot easier, you know. But um, yeah, I think he's gonna try to try to do his best to fit in and and then be a part of that rotation, man. I mean, you got you got Scherzer, Verlander, you got Kodai, you got you know, you got some guys that could get that can that can spin it. Yeah, you mentioned uh, I, the reason why I asked you about is the uh, Japanese pitcher fluent. How do you deal with that as a reporter? Stick a mic in front of a guy, you know, he doesn't speak English. His translator is so. Who do you look at, the translator or the guy? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a great question. I, I don't know. We're just kind of in the Netherlands, I guess. We're just kind of looking between the two of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it presents his challenges, and it's not great for TV. You know what I mean? Where you have him, he has to start talking in his native language, and then you bring in the voice of the translator. You know, so right. it's, it's not ideal. It's, but you know what? He's here. He's going to make an impact with this team. He's a part of the team. He's uh, a part of our culture now, you know, and 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 if he's successful, you know, it's going to be awesome to interview him when we can. And, and then we'll bring in the translator like we have to, but uh, <laughs> we'll just deal with it. Um, it. It does present its challenges. I got the best for last. I saw a piece on Facebook the other day with you and your wife, Nikki, at a driving range. Yeah. Was that recent? No, that was a couple years ago. That was, okay. that was a memory. Yeah, no, okay. we go. Yeah, what, what, what do you want to know about it? No, I, I, was, I said if it was recent, I'm thinking to myself, you're out there in a driving range. There's snow out there on the ground. And I'm saying to myself, the two of you are nuts. We we know that. We we are. And, and, and it's funny because we're still actually playing rounds. And oh. every, every time we get out there, I say to her, you know, we're crazy. Like around the second or third hole, we, I just look at myself, you know, but if there's no snow on the ground, we get an opportunity to play because I think we both got a little bit better this year and we don't want to let it go. <laughs> we don't well, want to have to put the sticks away <laughs> until, you know, the spring. Um, so we 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 love it, man. And it started with me and a friend of mine, a, a guy who who started teaching me how to play. Um, an older gentleman who has since passed on one of my best friends. And I was going, I started going to the driving range and my wife would go with me. And then all of a sudden she started taking my clubs out of my bag and <laughs> started taking some balls out of the basket and started hitting. And now she's like, can you get me a medium bucket? And I'm like, what are you talking? So that's how she got bitten by the bug and, and she loves it. You know, when we go on trips, She's always looking for a course. Do we want to take our clubs? Do we want to rent clubs? You know, so it's it's been great, you know, and it's a lot of fun to think about, you know, years ahead of us that we'll have time to enjoy each other out on the course. Oh, we get after each other a little bit out there too, um, but it's still a great time. Uh, my wife also plays golf and I get frustrated because I might hit it further than she can, but Last time she missed a fairway, I think was 2004. <laughs> they hit it straight. Yes, they do. It's it's interesting. I think it's because I'm trying to kill the ball so it can go 250 yards, but it goes onto the other fairway, you know. <laughs> but she's very, she's, and I always say, man, if I had your drive, your swing, oh, I'd be unbelievable. I'd be on the uh, Champions Tour. <laughs> yeah, well, we had we had dinner about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, with you and your wife, and you told us you're going to go play golf the next day. We get into the car, my wife and I. My wife looks at me. She goes, "You're going to play golf tomorrow?" 
said, haven't we gotten the idea by now that they're both nuts? <laughs> we certainly are. And we'll admit it, too. I put it on Facebook that we're crazy, man. Yeah, that was like... Uh, that was a few years ago. That was actually when she was first starting because you saw she was all bundled up because she didn't go there to, to hit any ball. She just went to hang out with me while I hit some, which I'm crazy to start with. But yeah, that that was a uh, that was a good memory, though, because, we, you know, as long as they have the heated stalls, we'll probably be out there. I had a long time ago, I played in the charity event uh, in New Jersey uh, and Lawrence Taylor was in my group and LT hits the ball a country mile. So we get out there and he hits a tee shot. No, I, I was first. I hit a tee shot, a really good drive for me down the middle. And it's, I'm going to say it was about 240. I was happy with it. Yep. LT looks at me, he goes, that's all you got? And I said, go ahead, wise guy. Let's see what you got. He proceeds to clock one, 300 yards straight and 200 yards to the right. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, I got you. And I said, LT. The object of this game is to find your ball. Exactly. <laughs> Not go out on a hunt. <laughs> oh, it's always great talking to you, my friend. You stay safe. Thanks. My pleasure, man. Happy holidays to you. Same to you and your wife. All right. He's Otis Livingston from Channel 2 in New York. A couple of things that I'm thinking about that I've seen. It's easy to criticize officiating. Very easy. But I've seen some plays in the NFL in the last few weeks that make me just shake my head saying, what in the world is going on with the refs? Uh, there was a play where uh, there was a pass interference call that should have been called um, on, um, on Detroit last Sunday that would have made a big difference in that game against the Jets. Wasn't called. Uh, I've seen roughing the passer calls. Uh, do the officials realize that this is tackle football? And sometimes, you know, a quarterback gets hit hard, but it's not roughing the passer. It's part of the game. And I realize we're there to protect the quarterback, but let's not make it to where they're, they're uh, you know, they're shielded that much. Come on, a lot of these quarterbacks are out there, like a Josh Allen, big guy. 6'4", 245 pounds. He can take a hit. He can also dish out a few hits. So all I'm saying is, is the NFL, let's not be so quick. And here's the one thing I need changed in the NFL. The competition committee has got to get together and figure out a way that on pass interference calls, 40, 50, 60 yards off the line of scrimmage that are called, that can change the outcome of the game as opposed to the college rule, which is 15 yards, some way we got to have a compromise because it's too penalizing to have a team get a 40, 50, 60 yard penalty that could cost them the game. It's just not right. So I'm, I'm suggesting that we come up with some way, the competition committee has got to come up with some way to look at roughing the passer and pass interference calls and come up with a better way to do business because right now the too many games are being decided in a not fair manner. That's all I'm saying. You got a great product. Let's make it as good as or better than what it is right now. I'm Howard David. Thanks to Otis Livingston from Channel 2 in New York for joining me. You stay safe.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.